Star Tours announces the arrival of the Endor Express. Once we've had a chance to service the Star Speeder, we'll begin our boarding procedures. Thank you. May I have your attention, please? At this time, I'd like to take a moment to review our boarding process with you. Hello, I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. Welcome aboard the Star Speeder 3000. Proof of ownership. We droids are made to suffer such indignities. Stand by for final systems check. W Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friends and fellow Jedi, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 430. And I'm here once again to help you have the best possible Dizzy Vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Dizzy Magic wherever you are with this podcast, videos, blog, live broadcast, the WW Radio Nation, books, audio tours, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. So with the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens, there is unprecedented excitement, not just for the film, but for its history, characters, and basically anything and everything from the Star Wars universe. And while we all anxiously await the opening of the Star Wars lands in Walt Disney World and Disneyland, there is already a presence, one that I haven't felt in a long time, at Disney's Hollywood Studios that is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. So this week, we're going to take a close look at the Star Wars launch bay, as well as the Path of the Jedi, the Jedi training, themed food, of course, and a very spoiler-free discussion of the new and original films. Vader is Luke's father, spoiler alert. We'll then look ahead at what's to come for Star Wars in Walt Disney World. It's not a trap. This is the discussion you are looking for. And yes, the Star Wars quotes are very, very strong in this episode. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge which of course is going to be Star Wars related for your chance to win a Disney Star Wars related prize package then stay tuned to the end of the show because I'm going to have more information about upcoming events and meets of the month so sit back relax and witness the power of this fully armed and operational WDW radio show Nerd Alert to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. The force is strong in my family. My father had it. I have it. And Walt Disney World has it too. And I don't mean a long time from now in a galaxy far, far away. I mean right now, right here at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now we know that the unnamed Star Wars land is coming to the studios in the next few years. 
but there is more galactic goodness whether you are a member of the Rebellion or an up-and-coming Sith Lord right now at Walt Disney World. And to talk about what's here and now and what may be coming in this spoiler-free segment, I want to welcome a couple of fellow Star Wars geeks who are still reeling from seeing The Force Awakens for the first of what I know is many, many times. Coming back to the show once again is Peter Tadone. He is the host of the Last Gen podcast. Pete, welcome back. Hey guys, how is everybody? I'm very, very happy to be back. It's only appropriate that the first time you were on, we were talking about movies, and now we get to talk, spoiler-free, about the movie to end all movies, so this should be fun. Yep, until the next movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and also back on the show is Frank Hart. You may know him as Plaid Affleck from the Wednesday Night Live shows, and by the way, also the designer of the oh-so-very-cool, and I promise available next year, WDW Radio Holiday Sweater, so Frank, welcome back. Hey, Lou. Thanks for having me. And hey, everybody. Now, it is good uh, It is good to sort of see you virtually again. We got together a couple of weeks ago during the virtual holiday party and the meet of the month uh, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, really specifically not just because of the Osborne lights, but because of all the Star Wars stuff that was there and that has really been introduced, um, you know, even in the last couple of weeks. Uh, before we get into exactly what is going on now, I, I think there is a... A level of excitement that I haven't felt in a long time. A, a long, long time. time. Thank you. <laughs> um, and in fact, I don't recall a level of excitement like this ever, right? I, I think we almost felt it with episode one, and then we saw the movie, and that excitement died faster than Darth Maul. Like, I wanted to love that film, but I just couldn't. And I think this has really been building up for years since the acquisition has been announced in 2012, and obviously now with, with social media being on a, a whole different level, the buildup to this film, I and mean, look, 56 whatever it is million dollars in ticket presales, I think is, un is an, unlike anything I've ever seen. And I know we were all probably struggling to see how fast can we get out on Thursday or Friday to, to go and see the film. Do you guys agree in terms of the level of interest and excitement for this film, more so than anything else that you've ever seen? Uh, uh, you know what, Frank, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go first. I don't want to cut in front of you or anything. Um, no, I think that this, yeah, this is basically the potential that Phantom Menace squandered. And Disney and J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy, most importantly, they knew that to get the fans kind of back on their side, they had to do a number of things. Number one being acknowledging that the, the prequels did not live up to anyone's expectations or wants. And then doing things like, hey, this is going to be shot on film. This is going to be practical effects. We're going to bring back some of the cast, but we're going to introduce you to new things. It was a very, um, like, you know, come around this campfire once again, and we're going to heal the wounds from before, even though we can't <laughs> literally say that. You know, they, they did as much as they could without exactly saying, look, the prequels are terrible, but we're going to make these good. <laughs> and the best thing of it, though, is that now that the film has come out, it's incredibly well received. I, I think it made 518 million over the weekend. 518 million. That's more than Superman made when it came out. Man of Steel and its whole thing. And th there are a few properties that are as well known from a character like Superman and Star Wars and stuff like that. And this movie just destroyed. It's going to destroy every record. It's a matter of time. I mean, it already has. I mean, so we're recording this. <clears throat> excuse me. Opening weekend, and so far, <clears throat> just in the last three days, it is. 
the biggest domestic debut, two hundred thirty-eight million, blew away Jurassic World's paltry two hundred eight million. Uh, the second biggest global debut, like you said, with five hundred seventeen. Biggest Thursday preview with fifty-seven, blowing away Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows. First film to post a single day gross, single day, a hundred million dollars. Fastest film to hundred million and two hundred million, beating Jurassic Park. Biggest December debut, highest per theater average for a wide release, biggest IMAX debut, most pre-sales, best Friday gross, best Saturday mm. gross, biggest oh opening for a Star Wars film. I mean, this really has sort of, you know, shattered everything. We could, we'll talk about this a, a little bit later on in depth, but in just these last three days, all of a sudden, that $4 billion that Disney paid Lucasfilm seems like the deal of the century. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you were saying with the excitement, um, you know, one of the things is when for uh, when episode one came out, you know, I was senior in high school, maybe a freshman in college when that first came out. You know, so what I've been able to do and I know, Lou, Lou, you've been able to do it now. Some of the excitement about this new film is the fact that now I have a son who's seven and I'm able to share that with him. Kind of like how your father shared Star Wars with you, I'm able to share it with my son. And our generation that kind of grew up with Star Wars, we all have you know younger children now that we're able to take and show these films. And it's not like, oh, let's pop the DVD in. You know, we get to we're seeing characters that we grew up with and we're familiar with, and now we get to share it with our kids too. It's just, I think that helped drive that hype as well. And I think that's <clears throat> I think that's really important because I know for me. I chose not to go and sneak out on a Thursday night to watch it by myself because I did. And I think a lot of us were like, we have an opportunity to give our children the same experience that we had. I've told the story before, but to me, it bears repeating because my memory of Star Wars is incredibly vivid. I'm eight years old in May of 1977. My dad and I go, just the two of us, to Middlesex Mall in South Plainfield, New Jersey. We sit in row three all the way at the end, and I will never forget like it was yesterday when that Star Destroyer came across the screen like just massive and mammoth, and it just wasn't ending. We looked at each other, and we smiled because we had never seen anything like that before. Like I even told my kids, like I want you to feel the same way, and I trust even before the movie can come out just because of J.J. Abrams and Disney and, and the trailers and the teasers, I was like, I think you were going to have that same experience. Spoiler free, I, I, we did. Yeah, and actually going towards what you just said with J.J. Abrams, uh, you know, he's obviously right now he is going to be the most loved man, uh, you know, in all the geek circles that I have, I'm actually tightly into. And there's something really important to, to look at J.J. Abrams is – He's an interesting director because he doesn't have a specific style of his own. You know, th there's a term called auteur, uh, auteur, which you would think, you know, if you put someone in front and you show them a Spielberg film, there's a certain look to a film. There's a certain feel to a film. It's a Spielberg film. Wes Anderson has the same thing. Stanley Kubrick has the same thing. J.J. Abrams doesn't. And normally that would be a knock on somebody. But he's so intertwined with the pop culture that we all grew up with he can in a sense mimic the the feeling and the emotion that you got from other films i mean if you watch the movie super eight it could just be called spielberg i mean regardless of whether or not you dig you know the story or not it's a spiel it's, it's nothing but you know hugs and kisses to spielberg so when they chose abrams to do that they did it for that number one reason because he has a talent of tapping into uh magic that franchises may have lost over some time 
And the biggest thing for him is he knows how to direct young talent. And again, going towards Super 8, the young cast in that is absolutely fantastic together. And Star Wars called for an introduction of new characters into a universe that everyone loves so much, but they also love a very specific set of characters so much. So it was balancing that, hey, these are the guys that you love, but they're going to usher in these new people that you're going to learn to love over, uh, you know, over the next uh, however many films each of them are involved. And you get that immediately in this film. There was a genuine laughter about 10 minutes or so into this film that I never heard in the theaters throughout the prequels, you know, and I worked in the movie theaters when those films came out and we really, it's, it's a weird thing to say, but we really tried our best to convince ourselves those movies were better than they were just because we wanted them to. Right. And now Force Awakens comes around. We don't have to fake that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when you're talking about, <clears throat> you know, the J.J. Abrams trademark, I'm like, well, other than the lens flares, you know? <laughs> but- yeah, the, the lens flare is the thing that he gets a lot of gruff for. And I remember there was a slight refraction in one of the trailers <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, great. It's going to just look like lens flare land again and all that stuff. But he again he knows the audience and he knew if i do that here they're going to you know they're going to kill me right there's as many so, lens flares as there are appearances by jar jar banks so you have nothing to worry about on either yeah, front <laughs> exactly exactly he knows the audience he knows what he's going yeah. for he's a very smart guy when it comes to that in terms of filmmaking and and i think disney you know obviously when we heard about the the acquisition of Lucas Films and that they were going to continue this saga that Lucas really had no interest in doing, our, our minds started just racing with what the possibilities were going to be, not just on screen and on TV. And they've done a really good job of building things up with, with Clone Wars and, and Rebels and some of the other things. But what was going to happen inside the parks, right? And, and we know to a certain degree what's happening. I think we'll talk about that a little bit. But I think... What a lot of people don't know, and part of the reason of the timing of this segment, is what is there already, right? What they've already done to start to wet and satisfy the appetite that we have once again to immerse ourselves in all things Star Wars. And I think right now, Disney's Hollywood Studios, a a park that for a long time has been called the Half Day Park and the Unfinished Park and those are things, it is going to be a whole new experience, not just with Toy Story Land, but with this immersive Star Wars land. Right now, it is sort of the, you know, three-dimensional center of the Star Wars universe. And I think a lot of people don't realize just how much there is going on there. And I say that because I didn't either. When I first went, I didn't realize how many different things you can do. And I will tell you that when I walked out from that day, I felt, or when I was there that day, I felt like that eight-year-old kid again. Yeah, me and Melissa, I'll I'll be totally front. Me and Melissa, when we heard about all the changes that are coming and whatnot, I said, well, I don't need to go to this park for another five years. Or, you know, however it is until then, because there's nothing for me to do. There's not going to be anything for me to do. It's just going to be, you know, construction walls all over the place. And you know what? It might be something like that a year from now or whatnot. My opinion on that may, may change. But on our last visit to Disney, which, Lou, as you said, was just a couple of weeks ago, I spent three days in Hollywood Studios. <laughs> I've never done that. And the only reason I did that was because it already – right now, Hollywood Studios is a teaser trailer for the future of Hollywood Studios. Like that's, that would be my way of putting it. 
it is just giving you enough for you to realize, okay, they seem like they know what they want to do with this, with this, you know, license. They know what the fans want. They've introduced cast members that walk around with the stormtroopers that do not smile. Mm -hmm. You know, they, that's a that's a great little touch, and it's a I think that's a great glimpse into what we're going to see with the immersion in the future. But right now, you can spend almost almost a half day just making your way through all of the Star Wars stuff and. If you're into Star Wars, there's nothing better. Yeah, and I saw something, and I continue to see something that I don't think I've ever seen before, which is a line outside the former Magic of Disney Animation building to get because <laughs> now that it is, it is, it's the home of the the Star Wars launch bay, and that really is, like you said, it's sort of the threshold that that brings you into a different experience, and maybe even beforehand because you're right, there are. You know, first order stormtroopers walking around, and there's cast members who are very much in character, and there's Star Wars music playing, and all of a sudden you start to really kind of get into it again and get excited. And I think, and I'm just maybe it's wishful thinking, I'm thinking that those stormtroopers might just be a little taste of what's to come in terms of them having even more characters out and about interacting with guests. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, when you walk in that animation courtyard, you remember it being, you know, where Disney Junior Live is, and that's kind of what you think of in The Little Mermaid. And now when you walk in there, yeah, the theming hasn't really changed. Uh, you know, the posters up above on the buildings are all Star Wars posters now, and the music's changed. But just that those subtle changes with the music change and those stormtroopers walking around and the cast members, all of a sudden, like, you knew you were in this kind of Star Wars environment, and you see the lines for Launch Bay, and you start getting that excitement, almost like that same excitement that you're feeling, like, for the films. You're feeling as you're walking towards Launch Bay, because if you hadn't been there before, or even if you had, because, uh, like, Peter, I spent, you know, two and a half days at Hollywood Studios this trip. I didn't even make it to Magic Kingdom, which is crazy. <laughs> you know? So, you know, we were just, you know, we went there the day before. We wrote everything, you know, and we came back again and again. And I still had that excitement because of what is inside of Launch Bay. And uh, I, I really am excited that this is a, a retrofit of an old building. And I cannot wait to see what they're going to do when they start from scratch and they build it from the ground up. It sounds so silly, but when I first walked into the courtyard and I looked down what at the time was a, a pretty open, pretty empty courtyard. I was there really early in the morning. And you see the Star Wars font. I, I know this is silly. And you see the First Order logo and the banner hanging down, much as if as you're going to see multiple times in the movie. Like, all of a sudden, I got that little, like, flutter in my heart. And I felt a smile come across my face. Like, I was really excited to see what's in there. It's a little touch. Like, just... Changing the color of the building from that, you know, Floridian tan to the slate gray <laughs> with the red and the black. Like, all of a sudden, you got that sort of vibe like you were walking into a very different type of experience. It's also really funny because when you walk in there, you know, to your left, you have the Little Mermaid. To your right, you have, you know, all the Disney kid stuff. And me as an adult, I'm like, nope, I'm here to see the most evil character ever created in film. Excuse me. <laughs> you know, just make way. I've got to get over here. So it, it's so funny that this is where it is right now. But, yeah, once you enter that space, you know, Lou, it's like you said. I mean, if you go to the theater right now, uh, some simple words on a, you know, in blue on a font up on a screen send people into claps and, you know, and cheering and this and that. 
this is the only franchise that I know of that has that effect on people. Possibly Harry Potter to an effect, you know, when you hear that music. Easy, easy. I don't want to. I know not of what you speak. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But compared to Star Wars, it's not the same thing. And it's something that has worked generationally now and is now reigniting, which is nuts. It's so nuts. It's, It's great to see. But if you would have told me, you know, after Sith came out, Revenge of the Sith, you know, hey, do you think Star Wars is done? I would have said, yeah, it feels like it. But now here it is, and Disney is really—they are not dropping the ball yet. They have a lot of, a lot of field to run, but on the limited amount that they could do so far in Hollywood Studios, it just gets you excited for that future. But you are able to enjoy the present for what it is as well, which in Hollywood Studios, that is a feat uh, onto its own. Yeah, I mean, look, even if we sort of like, you know, virtually walk through the launch bay, like there's not a lot of cues we get excited about. And you walk into the launch bay queue and you want to go through the extended queue, which normally it, you never did go through. But there's so much original art and co- the, the, you know, the, the beautiful Ralph McQuarrie concept art and mm-hmm. these giant murals and the original, you know, the Star Wars posters and the Revenge of the Jedi posters and pictures of Captain Phasma. I mean, we sort of didn't want to go right into the theater we wanted to walk up and down and actually see all of the different art that was there because it's beautiful. And as a Star Wars fan, I wanted to show my kids, yeah, this is what the original poster looked like. And this is it was going to be called Revenge of the Jedi. And here's why it wasn't. So it was bringing out the little eight-year-old in me and especially for my 10-year-old boy, like I saw his eyes light up the same kind of way that mine did. And it's about sharing that experience. Yeah, that was my first thought when I walked through there as well is, A, I felt guilty for not having my son and my family with me. Uh, But, you know, I I couldn't wait till this April when uh, the Star Wars races are in in, uh, Disney World. And uh, I'm going to bring the family down with me. And I couldn't wait um, to share that experience with them. So, you know, as soon as April gets here, he's going to get an eyeful of of that experience. But... uh, yeah, the the original poster art is beautiful, and uh, to see it, you know, on that scale and lighted behind, you know, it just I could sit there and stare at some of those um, some of those original art artworks for for hours if if I was allowed to. I think the cast members would probably shoo me along, but um, <laughs> you know, but then the draw of what I knew was coming up next in the theater, you know, kept me moving through. So. You know, the fanboy in me was like, oh, my God, I get to see, you know, a sneak peek of, of Force Awakens. I can't wait. Let's go. You know, and now that even seeing the film, now I, I start thinking back on what we see in there. And I go, wow, you know, like I can relate what I saw back to what they were talking about in this, you know, little teaser. Well, it was funny. Just a, a, a quick personal story. When we were in the queue, we were with some friends who also had a kids. And I loved how my son was like, oh, dad, look, this is Kylo Ren's shuttle. And you know, remember, we hadn't seen the film yet. So he's like, oh, look at this. And I wonder what this means. And then he's telling some of the other kids, oh, this is who this is. And this is who this is. And I was choked up watching him, you know, have that same type of experience. Again, we didn't have as kids. You know, we just went and we saw the movie. And we, there was no internet. We didn't know what to expect ahead of time. We had those weird looking gritty trailers. But that was about it. But to watch him have that excitement and then share it with me and then share it with other kids was phenomenal. I think that's, you know, you remember, that's what the Disney experience is really supposed to be about. Yeah, that, 
they did a, another thing that they did really well. I mean, I was nervous going into that that theater for the Force Awakens uh, trailer because I I kind of said to myself at a certain point, okay, I've seen enough. I don't want to watch any more of these trailers. I don't want to see any more TV spots because I don't want to figure something out just because of what they're not showing me or what they're showing me. And going through that film, I was a little nervous, but after seeing the movie, it was like, nope, they did a great job. They they really towed the line of getting you excited but not giving anything away, which nowadays is hard for companies to do because they're so determined to try to sell people to buy that ticket immediately that they give away the goose, you know, immediately. To go really, you know, far into it, if you're, if you're interested in seeing Batman versus Superman, don't watch a trailer because, you know, if you watch the most recent trailer, you know 85% of the film. Yeah. And Star Wars, with all the publicity and all the millions and millions and millions of dollars they sent, they spent on advertising, you went in pretty much blind. Well, plus, if you if you wanted to, you, there's always options, right. there's always choices, but you know, right? Plus, Superman versus Batman is DC, so it makes it kind of lame. But anyway, when yeah, you go they're into, not, <laughs> they're, not, they're not doing well. As a huge DC fan, I'm totally okay with admitting they're not doing very well. What they did in in the Launch Bay Theater, and again, I think the film is probably 15, 20 minutes, somewhere around there. You're not necessarily what they what they do is is a couple of things. They they get you excited for the film. But they get you excited a different way, not by showing you additional scenes that you haven't seen before, but when you hear from the people that are working on the film and you see some, look, a guy like Dave Filoni can sell you on the film based solely on the giddiness and the excitement that you see. When you see the director of episode eight talking about his boyhood dream and how it affected his decision and Kathleen Kelly's uh, decision to... Kennedy's addition to uh, uh, go into into film school, when you see how ex- genuinely excited they are for it, and you see the writers and the producers and the people who are bringing these stories to life, like that got me excited again because it wasn't movie hype. You can see they genuinely love the thing that they are putting out. To, to pump up, the director of episode eight is Rian Johnson. And whether or not you've seen episode, you know, Force Awakens or not, Rian Johnson is really the guy that when I heard he was directing a Star Wars film, I got really overtly excited. It was one of those squee moments, you know, for a geek. This, uh, If you've never seen the film Looper with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis, I think you should absolutely go see this to give you a good idea of how this guy handles sci-fi, even though it's a light sci-fi film. Um, He also did two of the best, he directed two of the best episodes of Breaking Bad with Fly and Ozzy Mendeus. Rian Johnson is the guy that you want to do the second film because as much as I love The Force Awakens, it is a, a re, you know, a reintroduction to everything. It is setting the groundwork. And then the second guy's job is the hardest job because now he has to do something that none of us expect, even though we're all going to have our ideas. He's going to make another empire, right? He's going to he yeah, make absolutely. a Godfather 2 and an Empire Strikes Back all at the same time. I think that... Well, if, if it goes correctly, he's also writing the story. If he is allowed to do what he is capable of, you, we may see a film that eclipses uh, Empire. It's, it's that exciting. It's, it's that level of excitement for me. Yeah, and that's the level of pressure on his shoulders. But after watching that film, you know how much he cares for this property. And it, I almost equate it to like when you watch John Lasseter talk about a new Pixar film coming and the genuine excitement that he has and the passion that you can see and hear in his voice – you felt that when you watched those that clip, 
or that film at the uh, launch bay, you know that these people generally care about the thing that you care about, and that also really helps generate that excitement. Well, I think they also, and and forgive me, Pete, I don't think any other film comes close to the cultural significance that Star Wars had in terms of its impact on filmmaking, on sci-fi, on merchandising, on, <laughs> you know, on just how it... it, it it you know goes beyond just what you see on screen, and I and I think I think that's a really Im- important part about um, and I, and that's why I like the film so much because they really sort of tap into the significance of the film, not just on an overall level, but on a personal level from the people who are involved in it. Yeah, and they've also even though it doesn't exist anymore, one of the big things for Star Wars fans was the expanded universe. Now they are rebuilding that universe because to create films while using that existing universe that was created over so many decades is so handcuffs on the wrist of creativity, you know, to be, to be able to kind of swim through all the, all the continuity issues that you're going to have in stories that have already been told and yada, yada, yada. They had to cut themselves away from that, but now we're getting a whole new one. You know, the Marvel comics, if, if you're blanking on the Marvel star Wars comics, you're really missing out because, they're they're really good. They're strangely good. You know, a lot of times you think, you know, money grab, blah blah blah. They got to put out some comics, but these those have been fantastic. There's been a couple of really great novels. Dark Disciple is something that I would uh, hugely, you know, knock up to go. And then Star Wars Rebels is fantastic, and that show is. Mat- I feel like that show is going to mature as its show matures, I mean, as its audience matures, in the way that they know that they're starting, you know, kids who are very young, and as they get older, I think it's going to take on more of, not an adult tone, but just a little more serious of a tone as they go farther and further, and you've already seen that a little bit this year, you know, there's some dark moments in this season, and it's it's all for the good, and Dave Filoni is just knocking it out of the park, I mean, he is, he is our Star Wars cheerleader right now, It's it's so great to see someone like him in such a, a seat of creativity that has a lot of say over what's going to be going on in the Star Wars universe. Well, and that's the thing, too. The residual impact that this film was going to have, not just on things like the comic books and getting people interested. I mean, look, how many people in the last couple of weeks have watched the original trilogy and a few people that watched those prequel fan-made film things, but how many people in the last <laughs> couple of weeks have re-watched the original trilogy, have gone back and said, wow, I need to check out Rebels. Hey, I need to go and I need to go buy Disney Infinity for my Xbox One because I need to, or, please, who am I kidding? How many hours have we spent playing Battlefront till three o'clock in the morning because we just wanted to, you know, be part of that universe? And then when you can download the Jakku, like, you're like, blah, like, you know, because that's where it is. That's what we want. And I think that's what Launch Bay does. So when you finish the film, because we could spend all day just talking about this, when we, when we, when you finish the film, you go into, um, sort of like a, a preview gallery where you get looks at rep, you know, prop rep, replicas and murals and costumes and scale models of ships. Again, you know, for me, I felt like I was eight years old again because I look at things from an eight-year-old's eye-level point of view. But when you can go on the left side and see, you know, the the the, the transport and the the rebel pilot costume, and on the other side, there's the star destroyer model. And the t- I wanted to sort of push my face against the glass because I did because I wanted to see the details on it because that as a kid were those were the things I grew up with you know the TIE fighter and the TIE interceptor and Darth's TIE fighter like I love that man and if you sort of wait a couple of minutes after the initial rush 
people, it's like a museum. You want to spend time looking at things, but you also want to go and see what's next. If you give yourself a couple minutes to hang back, you can almost have that room to yourself. Yeah, and that's what we did. Uh, you know, we were some of the first ones out, and we look, we instantly went to some of the the exhibits. But then all of a sudden, we noticed that the the herd was kind of shifting around the room. So we kind of dropped back and started looking at things again. And then we noticed that hey, the room's empty. And because that film is, you know, I think it's about fifteen minutes. You almost buy yourself fifteen minutes of alone time in those rooms if you if you plan it right. So that's a good tip uh, for sure. If you want to get in there and get some. You can really, uh, a lot of the uh, exhibits are in like cube clear cases in the middle of the room. So if you got a nice camera, you can even get in there and get some really cool shots of some of these models and, uh, and really explore the details. And there's little descriptor placards too, sort of explains to you what each of the different, you know, ships or models or pod racers, if you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> really is. So <laughs> it does give you a sense of understanding exactly where it is that you're looking at. It, just the simple fact that I spent more than a minute looking at something from episode one, it, it was, you know, I was looking at it, I'm like, I'm really intrigued by this pod racer, something that didn't happen as I sat down and watched the movie. But there's so many great little touches in there. And again, as as Frank was saying, you know, the 360 view of it is really nice because you get to see all the sides of it. And that handcrafted feel that the original films had and that Force Awakens kind of reintroduces is something really nice. I mean, this was something, when you look at these models and, and everything really from it, you know, as we go further into the launch bay, there's a lived-in quality. Mm. And that was something that Lucas really introduced. You know, prior to Star Wars, sci-fi was very clean, uh, you know, very, very sanitized and everything. And he made, he wanted the models to look like they'd been used, like they've seen time, like these people have lived in these worlds for a while and they got dirt on them and their clothes are filthy. I mean, he, he went against all that in the prequels, which is it's really mind-blowing. Again, we can that, wow, that's a whole world that we can discuss. <laughs> but you see that in the models, that, that attention to detail that really brings a life to the films when you are simply watching, you know, an opera, a space opera. Yeah, and as you go through the hallway, and again, I felt myself drawn. You know, I sort of had this thing I needed to go see. I almost forgot where I was in terms of the magic of Disney animation building, right? Because all those sort of different areas were gone. So we used to be able to watch artists working. And, and again, that uh, it was always sort of in flux. It was always sort of changing around a little bit. And I'll tell you, man, uh, to, to be honest, one of the things that, that I don't normally do, I, don't, I, I usually never wait for, but I will tell you that I enjoyed, like, like there's nobody's business, is there are new... And I say special because they are very special character encounters. So when you go into sort of the giant atrium type area, you can sort of choose, and hopefully you'll do both, to go left to the light side or go right to the dark side because you can meet Chewbacca or you can meet Darth Vader. And the important thing about this is, and again, I'm not normally one to do this, is A, they are in incredibly well-themed environments. So when you go to see Chewbacca, you need to wait in the queue to go through these giant, you know, metal-looking doors to enter the Rebel base and interact with Chewbacca. I, I, I don't know if I could, should spoil this or not. On the other side, okay, they mm. talk to you, right? They, yeah, they, they, yeah, they it's, talk. It's, they, they do. They, you know, if they've never done it with other characters, I would say don't say it, but yeah, they do. They interact. They interact, and they have conversation. I don't know how they do it. I don't care how they do it. They have conversations, but I will tell you, man, 
when I went and I met Darth Vader, that is the kind of experience that I felt, again, eight-year-old Lou Mangiello, because no longer, and, and understand what I mean by this, no longer was Darth Vader doing the MC Hammer on the Jedi stage and up at the hyperspace hoopla. Darth right. Vader is once again that big, intimidating, scary, dark villain that he was to me for all those many years in the 70s and 80s. And when you see him on sort of that, that Star Destroyer-themed set, and he's talking to you and his finger's in your face, man, like, I was laughing and my heart was racing, and I was, like, choked up. I'm like, oh, like, like this is what it was. And I, never didn't, I didn't go to meet Darth Vader when he was at Star Wars Weekends because he didn't, it didn't feel the same to me. Does that make any sense, or am I just a complete and utter nerd? No, I mean, I mean for me personally, when I went in there, to, to mirror what you said, the first thing that my brain said was, my God, he's huge. <laughs> like, they, they really, they found someone who is the physical build yeah. of Darth Vader to, you know, to work this costume. And the voice is not a joke. Like, it's right on target. It's nothing wrong. Wow, that was a... Stay I didn't on target. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that my accent. It's too um, many of them. <laughs> I, I just, it felt... Like a meet and greet that I cared about, which I'm not usually one of those people. You know, I go and I'll do them and I'm like, yeah, yeehaw. But this was one that I felt the need to implore other people like, no, no, it's worth the wait. Do it. Yeah. You know, or if yeah. you have your Disney Visa card, take the shortcut and definitely do it. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think there's fast pass too. there's gonna be fast pass for the characters as well. Oh, good, good. Yeah, and one of the great things is, and you know, going back to Vader, I mean, I'm six two, and I had to look up at at Darth Vader, and that, I mean, that was intimidating. And growing up, you know, always cosplaying as as Vader, you know, for every Halloween, you know, it was like, wow, okay, that guy did it. You know, that, that was yeah. a big Darth Vader, and like you said, with his voice and everything, it was it was an awesome experience. And uh, and one of the best things too is while you're waiting in line, they have more things for you to look at. I mean, there's lightsabers and other props in the queues so while you're walking around and queuing you're able to focus on that the line flies by you don't even really realize you're waiting because you're staring at all these cool artifacts yeah and you know i took a um i didn't put maybe i'll post you know what i took videos of me meeting chewbacca and darth vader and i didn't post them because maybe i was a little embarrassed but <laughs> i'll post them in the show notes so if you go to www.radio.com click on this week's podcast I'll post the two videos. It's not a spoiler. Again, I, I am he's I'm not the, the tallest guy on the planet. Insert he's, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but you can see just what it looks like and what that experience is like. And man, I'll tell you, my laughter is genuine because I was uh, I was just really, really excited and I felt like that uh, that little kid again. But that whole area too is so well themed. Again, you forget that it used to be that very sort of 90s looking, you know, red and, and sort of bright colored animation uh, uh, academy area, you get the sense it's got the reds and the blacks and the grays that you're in a different area. And then you walk through another archway where there's something written in Arabesh and you enter the cantina. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy, of course, you know. <laughs> but there are some really cool, neat little photo ops in here and used and it very it's again very well themed towards the cantina and there are additional character experiences in here as well tell me what you guys thought uh you know frank and then pete about the sort of that cantina section 
Yeah, I thought it was very well themed. Uh, you kind of felt like you were walking in there, and then really the icing on the cake was. I think Peter and I were actually we're sitting there, we're we're talking, and we look over, and and Greedo's sitting there, and he's talking and interacting with the guest, and you know, of course, Peter and I were both like, you know, hey, Han shot first, but uh, <laughs> yeah. God, but, knows, uh, God puta knows he's going to hear solo? that every day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Poor Greedo, but uh, you know. It was a very, very cool experience. And then, obviously, um, if anyone's ever been to uh, Star Wars Weekends, one of the really neat things to do at the uh, at the breakfast at the uh, Sci-Fi uh, Dine-In Theater is the trading with the Jawas. And they actually had some Jawas walking around in there. And, you know, he had a little bag of treats and kids are trading them, you know, pins and stickers. And he's giving them pins or little lightsabers. It was a very cool experience. And so it really kind of gave a, a life and, you know, made it feel very authentic. And you almost, did, like you were saying, you didn't realize that you were in that former art of animation. And you felt like you were walking around the Katina. And I can't wait until, I hope, what I've heard is they're going to have something like that for real over in the new Star Wars land. Yeah, to echo what Frank was saying, it was really nice to see an open area with free characters kind of roaming. I mean, eventually Greedo was kind of put somewhere where a line formed to, to do photo ops with him. But, you know, as Frank was saying, when we first saw him, he just kind of walked by us and then was sitting up against a wall. And that that's the stuff that it's very hard to pull that off in Disney because of the amount of people and because of how people act sometimes when they see somebody they want a photo with. But in that little area of the cantina, it, they were able to pull that off. And actually, I asked the cast member if there was a, a translation for what was written on the wall. And according to him, no one had yet translated it. So I, if you have a photo of that, if you have a photo of that, take a picture of it and, I don't know, post it up to, to lose Twitter or something. And uh, we can all kind of group, you know, work through what exactly it says on the wall of the cantina. Because I'm... They didn't put it up there for no reason, as we know. Everything has a reason. So I'm really curious as to what exactly that says. I have pictures. Ah, huzzah. Have, oh, <laughs> All right, great. I'm not going to say whether or not I spend time trying to translate it or not. But um, to Frank's <laughs> point about the trading, we've done a live review in the past about the, um, the galactic dine-in breakfast at, at Sci-Fi, which my kids and I absolutely loved. And we loved the trading. I will tell you that before you go to Launch Bay, like, think it out a little bit. Bring stuff with you that you don't mind trading. And believe it or not, the better stuff that you offer, the better stuff you will get in return. And I've heard some people got some very cool stuff from the Jawas. So trying to trade, like, a paperclip or a bobby pin or your kid is not the way to do it. Bring some cool stuff that actually has a little bit of value that you don't mind giving away, and you might be surprised what you get in return. I actually yeah. got a piece. I, I'm sorry, Frank, go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, yeah, when we did the uh, the diner, uh, we actually, my son drew pictures of droids and traded those with the Jawa, and he ended up giving them fast passes to Star Tours. Nice. So, yeah, so, I mean, it, you're right. The level of what you trade, you know, I'm not saying go buy a $50 thing and expect to get, like, a free night in the castle suite or something, but, you know, it, it they do have some pretty cool things that they can give out, and it's a fun experience. On the lowest end of the spectrum, the, the Jawa took my ATM card sleeve. Now, I, I was not aware of this whole trading thing when this occurred. So I was paying the bill. I happened to have the ATM card sleeve in my head, and he looked at it, and I was like, oh. And I kind of gave it to him, and he went to his bag, and he handed me a piece of paper. And I opened it, and it just, in a handwritten scroll, it said Jawa. 
So I start laughing hysterical. I show it to my wife, Melissa, and my friend, Mike, who was behind us in the car. I turn back around. The jar was gone. So I don't have a sleeve for my ATM card anymore, but I do have a piece of paper that says Jawa. You can wrap so, your ATM card in that. Yeah. Nice. So be careful with what you give. Make sure you don't want to make sure you're okay with losing it as well. Yeah. Make sure your kids are too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple of things, because there really is a lot more to get to. Yes. Um, as you continue to walk through, you can go through another archway and there's a, a Star Wars game center in there where there are kiosks where you can play uh, some current and some upcoming video games, including Disney Infinity 3.0. Um, I think they also have the um, the Star Wars Angry Birds in there. And I only was in there briefly because there was a lot of little kids my height who were playing games. I'm not sure if they have Battlefront in there as well, but it's a neat way to sort of uh, tease. And obviously, I've been playing Infinity not as much as I've been playing Battlefront. And and again, it's it's a great way to you know, take the experience home with you. But I'll tell you, one of the coolest things that I liked in there is if you go to the archway on the right, and it's written in Arabesh, it says Lost and Found. There's a little Lost and Found cage in there. Not to give away any spoilers, there is some really, really cool stuff hidden away in there. And if you are an original trilogy or the fan-made prequel things, there's some really, really neat stuff in there. I totally missed that. What? Yeah, I totally missed that. You I had no idea back. that was there. Yeah, man, you got to see. You got to take your time. You got to look around. There's cool stuff. Um, so as you continue on through, again, there's some another area where you've got uh, a lot of stuff now from Force Awakens, including you know uh, ships and blasters and lightsabers and and helmets. Uh, the flame, the, the life-size flame trooper. Yeah, that was great. They, also, they have, oh, yeah. They have Kylo, Kylo Ren's hilt, his his lightsaber hilt. They have Captain Phasma's helmet. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, they, they had a lot of really great stuff in there, and seeing it up close got real excited. Poe Dameron's helmet, I believe, was in there as well, as long mm-hmm. as a model of his X-Wing. And if you look really close, there is a little BB-8 in there as well. So, it, yeah, that little room with all the the Force Awakens stuff specifically, that got me so excited to see the movie because it was, it, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it's one thing seeing it up on the screen. It's another thing walking into a room and saying, oh, these are the actual things. That is Ray's mask. You know, that is yeah. what I see her wearing in the trailer, and it's right there in front of me. It's exciting. Yeah. And, you know, we, we joke around about, you know, every good Disney attraction ends up in a gift shop. Uh, because look, you know, it is about like uh, like dark helmet. It's all about merchandising. And normally, <laughs> I, I have a tendency to walk through. But here, I felt like eight year old Lou Mangello and his dad was taking him to Toys R Us on Route Twenty Two in Watchung, New Jersey, because it is like a, a Star Wars fan's dream. Like before, you even walk into the store, there's just a, a display of all of the different iPhone and Android cases. And I think that they said that there's about 100 different ones that you can get, as well as uh, Magic Band covers and personalized Magic Band covers. I mean, tons of different Star Wars ones. And then you walk into the cargo bay, and it's not just the toys that you can find at Toys R Us or Target, but there are (laughs) costumes and statues and... You know, I mean, we're, we're not, and, and obviously a, a ton of different art and collectibles and signed pictures, but if you want to buy a Stormtrooper statue and you got 10 Gs, you know, you know, blowing a hole in your pocket, 
You can do it. When I was there, and I don't think they have it anymore, they had a Darth Vader bust with the helmet off. So it had sort oh, of... yeah, that uh, was cool. Yeah, that right? was great. So it, it had the, the Vader... Supposedly, they had two in stock, and they sold them that day at $900 a pop. So, yeah, that happened that day I was there. They they had two of them, and we were we saw them in the case. And then when we came back later, they were gone and replaced with some other little statues. And then also they sell us. There's like a life size um, stormtrooper from Force Awakens, and it's uh, it's kind of in a running pose. And it's like yeah, like you said, it's like nine thousand dollars. They sold two of them that day before because one guy wanted them on either side of the entrance to his office. Oh, I mean, God. I mean, it's the but it, you know, and yes, those are you know high level you know price point items, but they also had some great you know um, maquettes and, and statues and stuff. And I was calling my wife, seeing if we could sell one of our cars, you know, maybe to fund some of this. <laughs> you know, but even uh, they had costumes that you could order to fit your size. Yeah. You know, they ordered them to your size, and they had Vader, and it was a fully functional Vader costume, and Han Solo, and I mean, they even had a, a giant statue that looked like Boba Fett, uh, like the old Kenner action Boba figure Boba Fett. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Where did the rocket but, fire on this one? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of those figures are really nice ones, the statues and whatnot. And I, I think they did have. It was actually a, a Boba Fett based on the concept art by Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah. Uh, those are all by most of them are by Sideshow Collectibles. So if you want to take a look at some really high level and and more affordable uh, Star Wars stuff that looks incredible, head on over to, to Sideshow Collectibles. Take a, a search for them on the, on the internet because I've bought a bunch of stuff from them over the years, and it was weird like seeing that in the disney park you know like two of my worlds were colliding even more but it was really exciting i don't what did you guys buy because i i bought the battle of yavin metal and i wore it um the rest nice. of the day i wore it there and then i wore it at the screening that i went to the first night oh, for Awakens. Cool. it was so great and I, it was fun because other you know a fair amount of other people recognized it others must have just thought that I was odd, but whatever, that's fine. But did, did you guys actually pick up anything uh, while you were in there? Because, man, I could have spent everything. And I could have, too. And I was smart because I had my kids with me, so I left. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back so I can get st- – I mean, they have the uh, they have the Force Effects lightsabers there, including yeah. the Kylo Ren. And I'm not saying I have one or two. I already have two. Oh, I got my Vader and my my light, my Luke Skywalker one. If you want, I have mine in my hand right now. Um, so, um, yeah, there, there was a lot of really neat stuff. Like, and you know, the uh, the, the little geek in me, the little collector in me, and, and I think you hit it right, Pete. It's you know, it is the, these two worlds colliding because there's never been a place before, unless you go like to you know a Comic Con or a Mega Con or something, you can get some of these. Uh, you know, the cool new stuff and some of the retro stuff from the original trilogy. So it can be uh, it could be a dangerous place. And look, you know, Launch Bay, I thought before I went into it was a bit of a throwaway kind of thing. Like, oh, it's a place you go and you spend five, ten minutes. I think you spend a good hour to two hours over at Launch Bay. Again, especially depending on the time that you go to. I have a feeling lines for that are going to be a lot longer than you might think. So I would I would give especially if you're a fan, I would give yourself enough time to go there. It makes going to Hollywood Studios worth the trip. Yeah. You I mean if that's all if that's the only thing you want to do, if you just want to look at Star Wars stuff, now that's a half day. Maybe. Yeah. 
It's close. It's close. You can you can manage it. But yeah, it's really fun. And it's I had the same thought that you did. You know, when they kind of took the name away that they were you know calling it the season of the force, I was like, oh, is this going to be worth it? You know, is this going to be something that will satiate you know that little bit of want that I I have immediately because I know other things are coming. And it, it worked. I mean, it worked for me. And you know, as soon as we move out of Launch Bay, I don't know if you want to talk about the addition to Star Tours. Well, on the way to Star Tours, I stopped somewhere. Oh, yes, yes. I got to tell you something, man. <laughs> I was really surprised. This is the thing that I, I found myself talking about the most, and I don't care. I am mad enough to admit, like, I got choked up when I went. Not I didn't get choked up because Sounds Dangerous wasn't there anymore, but I got choked up because I went into the Sounds Dangerous theater to see something called Path of the Jedi, and I didn't know what it was going to be. And I will tell you that this 15 or, or whatever minute film that is completely spoiler free. If, look, if, if you don't know anything about the Star Wars universe, you learn everything you need, need to know from episode one to seven right there and can walk into Force Awakens and understand what's going on. But I will tell you, man, that movie that they were able to put together with clips from all of the original films, man, I could watch that over and over and over again because it took out all of those moments that I think made us Star Wars fans. Yeah, absolutely. That film is that film is done so so well, and uh, they even incorporated some of the soundtrack from Force Awakens into yeah. it. So some of the scenes that you're very familiar with all of a sudden have a new score to them, and like instantly you're sucked in. Like, oh, is this a new movie? And you know it's not. It's a scene that you grew up with loving. But it, somehow it even enriched some of those scenes. You see Luke walking through some of the lighted tunnels on Bespin looking for Vader, and it's got that slow Force Awakens score going, and you're just like, whoa, uh, I'm in. And you know what? I was really impressed because, remember, remember what, the, what, that, what that theater was used for, Sounds Dangerous, was an auditory experience. So the sound in the in the uh, in the that small theater was amazing. Yeah, I, w- I was very happy with this. I will say, there's a certain nerd in me when I when I go and see a film, I would have liked it to have been edited a little differently. I don't I don't know really how to explain it without really getting into it, and I, I don't want to waste anyone's time. But I love what they were going for, and I think it is important for people who are just kind of getting onto the Star Wars train. As much as Abrams and company have said, there's no you know required reading to enjoy uh, Force Awakens, but without a doubt, there is an added element to having that knowledge. It, it really opens up the doors to a lot more things for you to get excited about when they occur in the film, and to do something that is focused on Luke is great, because over the years... I feel Vader has become such the big focus of that franchise. You know, they obviously they made a trilogy of films based around him, really. And to see that Disney and whoever was in charge of that said, we got to put Luke in here. We, we've got to let people know that he is still the heartbeat of the Star Wars films. But I thought it's, he was going it, to the Tachi Station to pick up some power converters. Oh, my God. He's such you a know, whiner. He's such a whiner. He is. He's such a whiner. But it's it's such a crazy, drastic difference when when we see him grow up in those films so we can laugh about that line without saying, oh, my God, that character annoyed me so well, so harshly, where, you know, he doesn't. You know, we, we fall in love with Luke Skywalker, where with Anakin, that never happened. And then you get introduced to this new 
group of people and you're <laughs> you love them. It yeah. reminds you of how you felt towards Luke and Han and Leia. You know, that it's just it's great. And to, to get your primer, I would definitely say uh, do this. And then if you're ever really interested, if you want to just go back, Lou, uh, Lou, you were saying how so many people went back and watched a trilogy. May I throw in an alternate to that? It is called the machete version of the Star Wars films. <laughs> in just that, it, it just changes the order of the films that you should watch them in. And it eliminates episode one. So you watch, uh, which no is joke. the best move ever. Yeah, it's, it really is a great move. You watch episode four, A New Hope, episode five, which is Empire Strikes Back. Then you watch episode two, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Then you wake up. Then you watch. And then, uh, <laughs> then you go back and you watch Return of the Jedi. It works. Nachos. It works really, really well. It also saves certain secrets for you that would not really work if you watch them numerically from one to six and you save yourself two and a half hours of agonizing boredom about trade <laughs> routes and stuff like that. And if you really want to do it right, you bust out your VHS or laser disc versions of the original trilogy and don't yep. watch those re-edited things. Yeah. Yep. Despecialized Star Wars. I'll just say that and leave that for anyone who's interested. Despecialized Star Wars. I'm with you. Which there supposedly you they're re re releasing those on Blu-ray now, right? They're That's what I hear. Well, okay. The, how that came up was Leonard Malton was was basically in a Q and A. Someone asked him about it, and he responded, "I, you know, Star Wars Disney is working on a unedited but cleaned up version of Star Wars for the original releases." There is a little bit of a legal thing behind that, though. Uh, Disney does not own the rights to A New Hope, the very first Star Wars film. Fox still owns those. What? Now, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It's just one of those things, but. Uh, to anyone who says, oh, well, then it's not going to happen. Money is money. Fox wants to make money. Disney wants to make money. There's a ton of money to be made off of this. It will happen eventually. But they, I think they want to be careful. As much as they have been very okay with saying, you know, we're not going to really refer to the, the prequels very much. It's a whole other thing to say. We know that you guys hate these cuts that George Lucas himself made as well. And we're just going to go kind of over his head is as is there right now because it's theirs to do what they want, and we're going to bring out the version of the films that we know the fans want the most. It is it is a little bit of a, a dicey jump for them to say that because I don't think they'll come out alone. It'll be included in a box set with everything else, and you know sold as a a special edition. You know in a in accordance to with these other films. Take my just take my money. Just yeah, that's and, right. but that's, but that's <laughs> take it now. and that's what will happen. And but they'll they'll have to. Pro they'll have to market it in such a way that you're not disrespecting the films that, as of right now, you are building off of. Because right now, these films are coming out, and the ones they're based off of are the special editions, quote-unquote. You know, warts and all with all the awful CG editions. So I think they will happen eventually. I think there's a little bit of patience to be had in that. And I, I wouldn't be too surprised if we maybe have to wait for that until this trilogy is over, which is in six years. But you never know. You know, they've they might be out next Christmas. You know, who knows? There's so many Star Wars things going on right now. They don't need to release that. They have another film next year with Rogue One. Then you get episode eight. Then you're gonna get I, I believe the Boba Fett film. Then you're gonna get episode nine. They have enough to keep everything rolling that it might be something that comes up later down the line, possibly nearer to when the theme parks are coming around. 
So, but it is going to happen. It will happen because there's too much money on the table. Yeah. And Fox yeah. and Disney have never been the companies to leave money on the table. <laughs> so, especially Fox. So, all right. So, a couple more things, real quickly. Um, if if you are a youngling, and although I meet the height requirement, I don't meet the age requirement. Uh, if you go over to Jedi Training, it's now the not the Jedi Training Academy. It's Trials of the Temple. And so I much love, cooler. oh yeah, man. I mean, so, so much cooler. Well themed, oh right? man. Looks great. Looks absolutely great. I love it. It I looks hated great that show and it before. sounds great, it. right? So what I love is that again, not to spoil it, not only do you get some, you know, legendary villainous characters like Darth Vader and Darth Maul, but there's a new villain. The mm-hmm. Seventh Sister Inquisitor, if you're yes. a Star Wars rebel, and she's bad, man. Like she's, yeah. you know, um, but it just seems to feel right and feel better and look better. And the ad ad is still sort of hanging over, and my cousin's up in the Ewok village are right there. Um, it's a neat, and and I know people ask all the time, why don't they do why don't they do Jedi training for adults? I actually asked some people at Disney about this, and, and they really want to, and they plan on continuing to keep. That experience something just for the younglings, just for the little Padawans. Um, plus, I could see it getting, you know, <laughs> you get guys like us wielding lightsabers uh, going yeah. after the Seventh yeah. Sister. But uh, it's really neat. And, and, and to give you a tip for that, um, the stage is rethemed. It's also expanded so they can uh, fit a lot more kids. So they have on most days 15 shows throughout the day. There's 30 kids per show. If I'm doing my math, carry to one. That's 450 <laughs> s- slots. But what I would definitely do is still, when you get there, get there early and go sign up. And you got to make it. It's See, now when you go to the studios, although there's not a lot to do, you still have a choice. Do you make the dash for Toy Story Mania? Do you run on over to try and get Rock and Roller Coaster or, or Terror of, on, on Sunset? I think if you have kids... I would make the left and go over to the sign-up station near the Indiana Jones Adventure Outpost and sign up your kids for it because I'm telling you, man, those rides will always be there, but your kid donning a Jedi robe and fighting against Darth Vader, that is the thing that they are going to remember years, if not decades from now, about that visit to the park. And not... Go ahead, Frank. No, I was going to agree with Lou. I was going to say, you know, I think... uh, I know several kids who have done it and they could spend the whole day, you know, riding star tours and doing anything else at the park. But when they leave that night, that's the, what they keep talking about is like, did you see I beat Darth Vader today? Did you see I won? And they, they have that memory and they still talk about it two or three years later when they, you say, Hey, how was your trip to Disney world? You know, Oh, I fought Darth Vader. I fought Darth Maul. They love that experience. And you can tell those kids, I mean, and you've seen, there's videos on YouTube where there's even little kids that bow down to Vader and pledge allegiance, which is, you know, those kinds of reactions are just amazing. And, you know, going towards, I'm not going to, obviously we're not going to spoil anything, but I don't have kids. Um, you know, that's, it, I, I wouldn't was that go, a spoiler? <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't have kids. But the the finale of this show was so cool yeah. that I was really happy that I stuck around and watched the whole thing. And to see the seventh sister again, being a big uh, rebels fan was great. It, it was, again, it's like them embracing and acknowledging this new wave of fans. Yep. And now they're going to, you know, I guarantee you that half the crowd, more than half the crowd probably said, who's the seventh sister? 
Yeah. And they're going to be curious now. They're going to go home and they're going to look it up and then they're going to they're going to discover rebels. Exactly. And you know, you, you were saying, oh, this isn't for adults. You want to know why it's not for adults? Because our ride is coming a couple of years in the future. Yeah. Because one of the attractions that's coming is the, this is a quote from the Disney Parks blog, the ability to take controls of one of the most recognized ships in the galaxy, the Millennium Falcon. That is our Jedi Academy. (laughs) I mean, that's just, anyone who grew up a Star Wars fan, this is something you've always wanted to do. How they're going to do that, I don't know. You know, it's going to be great, though, and... We're going to probably be able to sit in the Millennium Falcon, and everyone's going to have their own experience in that ship. Think you about this. Do you get to say Chewie oh punch it? I'm going to love it. Oh, I, even if it, it – I don't care if it's not required. I'm saying it anyway. Chewy. Oh, absolutely. You have to. <laughs> Yell it, you know? I think, I go I think we're in trouble. We're home. Oh, man. <laughs> So much very bad feeling about this. Um, So they told me they fixed it. (laughs) No, no, this one goes there. That one goes there. Uh, (laughs) um, Quickly over to Star Tours, the adventures continue. I think Disney, uh, and maybe I'm just maybe I just didn't see it, but I really didn't get a sense that they promoted this heavily. But now, when you go, I'm probably going to guarantee you that you are going to get a new scene, which is going to take you to that desolate, barren, wasteless planet of Jakku, obviously from Force Awakens. You might get a little interaction with BB-8. There's some other cool little Easter eggs in there. Um, I will tell you, man, I don't woo-hoo a lot, and I was woo-hooing and, like, shaking my kid because I was like, this is... The new scenes in Star Tours are awesome. You talk about wanting to go and ride that ride over and over and over again, that scene alone is worth it. It's a great scene. The characters that show up in it, uh, being a fan of this person before the Star <laughs> Wars films came around, I don't want to say what it is. Uh, I was absolutely just jumping, like pointing like, oh, my God, look. <laughs> um, and what's even greater is not only do we have the new Jakku scene, which, which is great, we have tiny alternate versions of scenes that we're already familiar with. So if you've ever wanted to strike Jar Jar Binks with a car, <laughs> like you just might learn to know how that looks. And it was it was those little additions that I was just as excited for because it breathed just a touch more of life into the the sequences. And I really hope that Disney continues this thing where introducing new sequences, putting some maybe into like a rotation, you know, and all that. God knows I've seen Hoth a million times. I can I can go a little, a couple of months without seeing Hoth because I've always remembered that a glaring omission from this ride is a trench run. Mm-hmm. Still yeah. not there in a Star Wars ride. That's almost, you know, the one you would expect the most. But yeah, the new sequence is so much fun. Frank, did you dig this? I mean, now that you saw the movie too, you know, Oh, I, I, w- I was insane. I mean, yeah, just like Lou, we're we're sitting there and we're we're woohooing and just like I was ear to ear grinning when I saw it, and and of course it raised questions too because I hadn't seen the movie. So you know, I'm like, well, why is that person here? Why are they doing that? You know, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm like, so I was totally like, even just from the ride, I was like, God, now I got to see that movie because you know it raised questions with that, and now seeing the movie, now I want to ride it again, see if there's other things I missed in that scene. You know, there might be other little Easter eggs in there. And then the, even better, I got to end, you know, fighting, uh, you know, uh, Boba Fett. So that was that was the best because <laughs> I always get Naboo 
Always. Yeah, we got, <laughs> like, we got Naboo. Like, so, oh, my God. I'm we got cursed. Naboo three times in a row. I cursed with Naboo. And my son hates it because he hates the monsters. He, like, freaks out at the end. So I'm like, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. And it happens every time. I so, yes, I've written right. that attraction probably no – I'm probably 100 – I mean, maybe 100 times. I've still never been the Rebel Spy. Maybe it's a height thing. I don't know. I just one time. I just want to be the rebel spy yeah, one time. I've never been it either. I've never. We we actually. My friend Brian, you know Brian Lou. Uh, his son Kyle was the rebel spy on the the ride that we did all of us together. Because there was one day where like the whole Disney Magic Hour podcast was together in Disney, and Kyle, his son, was actually the one who was picked as a spy. So he got a really big kick out of that because Kyle is a is a massive Star Wars fan. Um, for you know, for a kid who's being brought up on it correctly by his father, he's following very well. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how Anakin from the prequels is his favorite character. That uh, drives me, that drives me up a wall. Um, but you know, he he really, voice. really, he was so thrilled when he saw himself up on that screen. It was yeah. ridiculous. So let's really get to the most important part uh, of this whole thing, which is the Star Wars inspired <laughs> galactic food. It took this long to, to actually get into, uh, but again. It was one of those things that they sort of quietly rolled out. And by calling it galactic food, it really is just sort of Star Wars inspire items that are not limited to a single location in the park, but a lot of different food and beverage locations throughout the entire park. There are things like the Royal Guard Burger, which it's an Angus beef burger with barbecued brisket on top. And it's served on a black pumpernickel bun. So there's sort of your dark side <laughs> burger. There's uh, the dark side chicken and waffles. And you had me at chicken and waffles. There's a galactic chicken salad, which isn't very galactic other than sort of the, uh, the, the corn tortilla has like um, sear marks of R2-T2 on it. There's also Karelian spice fries, which, you know, I never met a fry I didn't like. They, of course, have blue milk, panna cotta, and they have a few drinks, too. They have a dark side red and a blue harvest. Those are two different alcoholic drinks. You buy them because they taste good, but you buy more than one because you want to get the Death Star Glow Cube for the dark side red or the very cool, I've already stolen it from my child, Millennium Falcon (laughs) in the blue harvest. And I dig the fact blue harvest obviously was the code name when they were filming Star Wars. Um, there's a Padawan Limeade, which is non-alcoholic, which I also believe has the uh, the Death Star in it. And of course, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a themed food without themed cupcakes. And there's not yes. one, there's not two, but there's three. There's a BB-8 lemon cupcake with vanilla buttercream, which is healthy because it's made of fruit. The Darth Vader chocolate peanut butter cupcake is back again from Star Wars Weekends, and a new. Chocolate coconut kashik German chocolate cupcake with a chocolate Chewbacca and toasted coconut on top, which I loved because I love the coconut, but the but the the cake itself was a little oh god moist. It was a little moist. No, <laughs> oh. It was a little chewy. Come on. <laughs> I waited all day to say that again. You can file that joke away, sir. You can file that away. <laughs> I'm gonna use that one forever. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, look, it's just fun, right? It's just sort of fun, you know, especially things like the. I saw so many people with the blue milk panna cotta just so they can take a selfie with the blue milk. They, I'm, you know, I'm really surprised they just don't serve blue milk. They did, they do it at the breakfasts, um, well, at least when there was a Star Wars themed at the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The drive-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they had actual just blue milk. I wish they would do that. That would be really nice to have. 
I, look, let, I, let, I me just teach, let me as a, as a future Floridian, let me just teach you something. Milk in Florida summer, not a good combination. Milk, milk is, is a bad, bad choice. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Milk is a bad choice. Have you seen Anchorman? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually didn't have any of this food. I went to the cupcakes because that was all I wanted. So I had the Vader uh, chocolate peanut butter cupcake. I had so many of those little cupcakes during Star Wars weekend <laughs> that I remembered like, yes, this is or this is a good place to go. And then Mel actually got the Chewbacca cupcake. So I got to eat half of that because awesome. Uh, they're great. They're really good. I, I've had some themed cupcakes that I was like, meh, cupcake. But these were actually really good. Like I want them again, which doesn't happen a lot. Uh, with themed stuff like that, you know, sometimes like the Star, uh, the the Christmas cupcakes and stuff. Right. But yeah, I, really, I really like these. Yeah, I had the Vader one as well, and uh, it was it was delicious. I mean, it had like that peanut butter kind of icing, but the the Vader on top, the little chocolate Vader, was like a good chunk of chocolate. I mean, it was like you know, it was thick, it was delicious, and uh, you know, it was for me, it was no no pun intended, the icing on the cake because I had the Royal Guard burger, and that that bun was. Uh, it was black. <laughs> it was, I, it yeah, was, uh, you know what? Sometimes theming can just rough. go a little too far. That's yeah. where. <laughs> so, I mean, it was one. Of, it was, I couldn't do it. It, it was. It the the bun just didn't go with the burger. We'll put it that way. But um, you know, and then of course I went with Jimmy Styles, and he's sitting there eating the chicken and waffles, and I I regretted my decision you were just when I was sad, watching. Right, you were just those. sad you weren't having chicken and waffles. I was. I was so very sad, but the, the Vader <laughs> made me happy again. So, I, and I will tell you, in the past, you know, there's been a couple times that my kids have wanted like a souvenir. Like when we went to to be our guest, they wanted the souvenir uh, royal cups that sat in my you know closet and, and in my in my kitchen forever. But here, they've got four different souvenir things that are all really cool. They have a Chewbacca souvenir stein with a fountain beverage. The BB-8 is awesome. The BB-8 yeah. souvenir stein that you get a fountain beverage, it's like $13, but he's cool. You take the straw out, you put him up on your shelf, but if you're a popcorn guy like me, you can eat popcorn out of Darth Vader's, <laughs> out of Darth Vader's head, but they have a TIE fighter popcorn. Oh my God, it's so huge. It's yeah, huge, it man. <laughs> It's like now come I'm again I, I was eight years old in seventy seven. I had the big, you know, we didn't have micro machines with the little titanium ones. We had the big old like gigantic TIE fighters with it was like pew 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 like it had batteries in it's like that big. Like it was, you know, as size as a big toys, and that's what part of the reason why it's twenty five dollars a pop. <laughs> I saw a man wearing it as a medallion. <laughs> <laughs> I, we were online to get our photo taken. I turn around. Was it Billy D. Just, Williams? Was it Billy? <laughs> <laughs> I just look at him. I'm like, what is that? Where did it come from? He's like, well, there used to be popcorn in it. I was like, say no more. Yeah. And it just like had to go and find it. It's so great. Uh, you can yeah. still get the um, the Han Solo in Carbonite. Um, mm. I think that's uh, for kids meals over at Min and Bill's. Uh, where I, where they, act they actually do have a blue milkshake there. Oh, do they? Yeah, at least it's like a shake. It's not just like blue Milk. Oh no, you are one hundred percent correct. It's raspberry flavored. Really? Yeah, it's it's blue raspberry flavored, and that was why I didn't get it because I saw. You know what? This is this must be the thing. Really, I was referring to earlier. I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, blue blue milk shake." Okay, let's go. And then I saw the description. And I was like, "Meh, just kind of wanted a vanilla shake." I don't know. So I'll probably get it just because of stupidity of wanting <laughs> things Star Wars, but not. 
that blue raspberry is something that would really sell me on a shake. Yeah, but you know what you you get the uh, the pulled pork mac and cheese. That's oh God, nice. Mel- Melissa got Ooh. that. It was delicious. Hello, Big Daddy. Oh yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. Um, that's a meal too. <laughs> that is not a snack. That is not a snack. Yeah, that, that is, is a snack. meal. So uh, something else that was supposed to be coming in January, they surprised guests with and launched, pardon the pun, on December 18th, the night of the uh, the opening of the film. And that's the brand new Symphony in the Stars uh, Galactic Spectacular nightly fireworks show at Hollywood Studios. Now, I have not seen it as yet, admittedly, and I refuse to watch it via video because I think for things like that, you need to see it. Uh, mm-hmm. In person, but I've heard from a lot of people that they love this fireworks show for a lot of reasons, not the least of which obviously is, you know, the incredible John Williams music that goes along with it. Is this now different than the one that would play during Star Wars weekend? Did they tweak it a, a tiny bit? My understanding is yes. Okay, well, I I haven't seen the new one yet either, but just going off of the Star Wars weekends version, I, you know, I have seen all the the specialty fireworks and whatnot at disney except for on new year's eve because i'm not insane uh but i will when i'm a, when i'm a local the star wars symphony in the sky fireworks that played this past year at star wars weekends for me was the best show fireworks wise that they have obviously the star wars tie-in has a lot to do with it the music is a massive massive yeah. key to that show but when it launches and it starts with that John Williams, you know, da-da, I actually teared. I'm, I'm a grown man and like E.T. and Field of Dreams makes me cry like a child. But this fireworks thing just from the very start hits everything that you as a fan want to see. And it's it's it just feels like a special show when you're watching it. Uh, absolutely my favorite fireworks that I've ever seen in Disney is that so? If they improved upon that, oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna fall down. Yeah, man, I'm waiting until the uh, until the holiday crowds die down just a little bit, and then I'm gonna go. Um, they actually also offer a uh, galactic spectacular dessert party too, so you can actually watch from a reserved viewing area with the, some of those Star Wars themed desserts and the drinks, and of course you get to take home one of the uh, the souvenir steins. Again, that's a uh, that's a hard ticket. Event, uh, I think it's sixty nine dollars for adults and thirty nine dollars for kids. Uh, but if you like your desserts and you like your Star Wars and you like your fireworks, that's a uh, that's a good evening right there. You know, I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out here. I'm just gonna throw it out here. <laughs> if, if I ever want to do a live review, if one <laughs> if one was to do a Star Wars fireworks thing, you know, like in anticipation of something else, Star Wars, maybe on the sea, and it was the night before you were leaving. I don't know. I'm just saying it's an, it might be exactly where I'm going to be on February the 5th before we take off on the Star Wars Disney cruise. That it, We have one night before we arrive. We're showing up a day early, and it is to eat at Morimoto and then go see the fireworks at Hollywood Studios. That's a good because night right Star there. Wars, it's a good night. That's a good night. Oof. That's a really good night right there. You had me at Morimoto. Um, I, I might not make my. I wouldn't if I went to Morimoto. I don't know if I would make it out for the uh, the Star Wars fireworks. Um, that being said, um, I just found out that the launch bay is now part of Extra Magic Hours. So if you want to go oh, early or stay oh, late, cool. yeah, it's a good way to sort of uh, to to knock it out. 
but clearly, look, we've we've talked for more than an hour, and obviously we it's been somewhat tangential at times, but there's a lot to do, and there's a lot going on to sort of um, wet the appetite or satiate the appetite a little bit for what is to come in the future. And I think that was part of the reason why I wanted to do it was because, like you, Pete, I don't want people to say, well, I'm not going to go to the studios or, I, I, you know, I love Star Wars, but there, there's nothing to do there because I think there is a lot, right? And you sort of hinted to, in terms of what's to come, yeah, we know that there's going to be signature attractions. There's going to be that Millennium Falcon secret mission thing. We also know very vague, I can't even say details, very vague uh, ideas of sort of an adventure that's going to put us into some sort of a climactic battle between the First Order and the Resistance. But mm-hmm. I think the thing that I'm really looking forward to about this Star Wars land, and if you've seen the concept art, I mean, you talk about breathtaking bits of concept art, is that it really is going to be immersive in a way that we have not seen before. Right, Bob Iger even said it's not going to be occupied by cast members. It's going to be occupied by humanoids and aliens and droids and and other inhabitants of these worlds. Right, obviously things that maybe we've seen in 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 Force Awakens, but it's really going to be um, something that is going to remain in character the entire time. I think you step through whatever threshold or portal or gateway or archway to get in there to really sort of bring this mythology to life, right? So I imagine, you know, stepping foot into a world like a a Moss Eisley Cantina or a spaceport, and you have stepped into the movies, you haven't stepped into little bits of the movies, even more so than what you get in Cars Land, which I think is really the first land that it's sort of taking a single film and bringing it to life. This is really one where your sense of, you know, suspending your disbelief has to really be on a much, much bigger level because everything you encounter is, is as if, though, you stepped into one of those worlds. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those things where people start, stop referring to it as Disney Hollywood Studios and kids are going to be like, I just want to go to Star Wars land. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's what it's going to be known for, which, I mean, granted... The park has so much more to offer, but I think it that experience alone is going to drive so many people to that park, and it's going to be such an immersive environment. Um, I think we're going to get a little bit of sneak peek of what is possible when Pandora opens up at Animal Kingdom. I think you know some of the things that they've talked about that they're doing over there. Imagine that on a Star Wars scale. I think uh, is going to be very exciting. And if you look at some of the the, the concept art, um, and then Slash Film, I know, is a, is a great site that has some really beautiful images of the concept art, you can see not just life-size versions of the Millennium Falcon and some of these uh, inhabitants. There's a really cool picture of the cantina where it looks as though you are stepping into the original Moss Eisley cantina, but there's like a, a giant... I almost want to call it sort of aquarium where there's sort of, sort of like an alien mermaid figure swimming behind it and there's a band playing up on stage. Like, man, that's what I wanted to go to since the first time I saw it in 77. We live in a very cynical time nowadays where you almost feel, you almost have like, uh, you're hesitant to get really excited about things, you know? There's that weird vibe that kind of goes through a lot of things. You know, you see a trailer that you want to like and you're like, ah, maybe it's going to be garbage. This Star Wars land 
I think if you're a Disney fan, if you're a Star Wars fan, strap in because this is going to be the place. And it's and it's an exciting time to be a fan and to know that these things are coming. The technology has finally met up with what the dreams that people have in their head. You know, you can come up with something in your head and actually work the technology around it so it can it is possible. So Star Wars Land, you know, for everything that I'm so excited about with, you know, the theming and all that, it's even more exciting when you realize that this is Imagineers Unleashed, really. I mean, this is going to be, I think it's going to make it a destination thing. I think that this will bring it to the second busiest park on Disney property. I don't think there's really much of a doubt about that, actually. I cannot wait for this thing to come, and... I don't care. I unabashedly will be incredibly excited about this and never bite my tongue as to how excited I am for Star Wars Land coming out. And I think, look, I mean, in my opinion, I think that they have earned our our respect and trust in terms of delivering on what they promise. But I imagine, you know, like I I imagine walking around and there's not just, uh, you know, people dressed as stormtroopers or a, a Greedo or a Jawa here and there. You're going to see like gonk and droids and, and Jedis walking around that you're going to be able to interact with. It's going to take Star Wars weekends, blow it up to a greater proportion and have it there ongoing all the time in a world that is very much going to stick to Star Wars canon. It's very much going to, uh, like Disney does in, in the different lands, for example, in Magic Kingdom, when you're in this land of Star Wars, whatever it's going to be called, or whatever this this new planet is going to be called, you there is nothing that is going to break the consistency of the story. You're not going to see or hear something in a different part of the park. You are really going to feel like you are on this remote trading port in some sort of distant planet. To you know, to just bring up the evil empire that you know in some people's minds. Disney, I'm sure that Disney somewhere, somehow, uh, has taken a look at what Universal has done with Diagon Alley. I just recently experienced Diagon Alley, and I was absolutely knocked off my feet. And as as incredible as that place looks, one of the first thoughts that popped into my mind is, man, they're going to top it. Star Wars land is, is going to top this because it has to. And that's the level of investment that Disney is putting into this. And I, I just... Get ready, guys. I mean, just get excited. Stop worrying about everything, number one. (laughs) Look, we're we're all going to miss the fireworks. Boo-hoo. But you know what? Knock it down. We got got some Star Wars to build. Sorry. Get them out. Uh, The Christmas lights, I mean. You know, we got we got some Star Wars to build. Well, and I think that's the thing. You know, you sort of look like like Disney Springs or whatever else. You know, these things take time. They take money Mm -hmm. to to build. And I think you have to sort of give up the good for what the great is going to be in terms of Star Wars land. And I think if this tease that they're giving us with Launch Bay and with the, the new scenes and some of the other things that they're doing, these more interactive, immersive experiences that are already at the studios, uh, I, for one, am incredibly excited uh, and I'm, you know, sort of counting down to what's to come. And I'm happy the fact that, you know, it looks like people are asking about opening dates. You know, I was thinking, well, this won't get built for 2020. Things like Cars Land takes five years. You know, supposedly things are going to start happening around 2018, which might sound like it's far away, but I think it's closer than it than it sounds. Yeah, I, I said I I really have a high hope that something partial, even if it's partial, 
uh, will be opening sometime in 2018 to have a slow rollout of that or Toy Story, one, one or the other. Oh, by the way, they're also building Toy Story Land. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy how one of the biggest animated properties of all time has become a footnote. Uh, t- towards the expansions of Hollywood Studios. I mean, how insane is that? Yeah. Uh, but that, that's how big the shadow of Star Wars is. You know, it puts Toy Story in its shadow. That's unbelievable. And to quickly sort of mention something that you touched on, you know, I when I first heard about the Star Wars Day at Sea Cruises, I kid you not, within 15 minutes of me hearing it, we already had plans in place and a date picked out for when we were going to do a cruise. We do cruises every year with... with you know, the community and friends, it happens to line up with WW Radio's ninth anniversary. So February 6th through the 13th, we are going on the Disney Fantasy from Port Canaveral. I don't even know where. I don't even care where it goes, man. It could go around in circles <laughs> because there's going to be, listen, it's going to be Star Wars Day at Sea. There's going to be all kinds of cool Star Wars stuff going on. You know they're going to be showing Force Awakens on there. The Super Bowl will be going on there, probably without my New York football giants. Um, We're going to celebrate our ninth anniversary. We've got a couple of things already in store. I'm already working on my costume or costumes, plural. Like it is like Pete, I know you're coming. It is going to be a really, really fun time. And if you think you're nerding out here, just wait till we get on the cruise. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm. I was hesitant the first time I went on a Disney cruise. I did it basically because Melissa wanted to, and I kept my I bit my tongue and I was like, "All right, I'll, I'll go," even though I don't know what I'm going to get out of this. I had such a great time that I immediately said, "We got to go again," and we booked one. We booked one right away when we got back, and we were all set to go in December. Actually, we would have gone about two weeks ago. And the day that they announced these, I tweeted you, and I said, "Hey, <laughs> what, what's what's going on over here with this? You guys got any ideas?" And you didn't respond. Becky didn't respond. And I was like, oh, my God, they went dark. I'm like, there, something's going on. And then you announced that that night on the show, we canceled our December cruise the next day. Yep. And we moved our, our plans up to February. We And now it's so close. It's like a month and a half away. But, guys, if you haven't booked it yet, you still can and you should <laughs> because this is going to be so much fun. It should be illegal. And, and on top of it. I mean, it's a Star Wars Day at Sea. Are you insane? I mean, what? How am I going to do anything when I learn that the movies are going to be shown all day in the theater? Oh, like, man. and I've got to balance that with wanting to do everything else that goes on there. And I'm hoping that you know we do some other stuff also, you know, group related, maybe some Star Wars stuff. Oh yeah. I, I just absolutely, I'm so excited for this cruise, and we are now, yeah, about a month and a half away, right? Yep. Yeah, because yeah. February sixth. It's, it's coming up so close, and maybe by then it won't be 95 degrees in Florida. Who knows? <laughs> well, I would tell you that the, uh, the wheels are already in motion for some, uh, some cool group stuff that we do together. If you visit www.radiocruise.com, you can find out more and get a free quote. We would just love to have you on because it's a lot of fun. We do these cruises uh, every year, once or twice sometimes, and they really are uh, a great time. Whether you've cruised before or you're coming alone or you're bringing the family, people, some people bring kids, some people go solo. Some people are just couples. Uh, it is a lot of fun. So, guys, I, listen, man, I, I could say we could talk about this all night, but for the most part, we pretty much have. Um, <laughs> I, I really, really do appreciate you spending some time tonight. It was great to hang out with you guys a couple of weeks ago. I look forward to uh, to going back again and experiencing it all over again. So, Frank Hart, uh, artist extraordinaire, designer of many of the WW Radio logos that you see and will be seeing coming soon. And Pete Tadone, where can they find your podcast? 
Uh, they can find my podcast. The website is lastgenpodcast.com. That's lastgenpodcast.com. And you can just find me on Twitter at PTFilm. That's P-T-F-I-L-M. I always uh, post up the links to our most recent shows, and we actually will be recording a spoiler-filled <laughs> Star Wars Awakens uh, review tonight. Uh, so I'm really, really excited about that because, oh, man, as soon as you see this movie... You immediately want to go and want to go into a safe place where you don't spoil it for anyone else, <laughs> and discuss everything that happened and what could be. Yeah, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know Frank has been texting me like, "Come on, man, see the film already, so we can talk." So, <laughs> but yeah, you can find both of our podcasts over there. It's the Film Basement and the Disney Magic Hour. Film Basement is uh, for a more adult crowd. Disney Family Magic Hour. Wow. I added in an additional word there. The Disney Magic (laughs) Hour is uh, family-aimed. No no issues with kids on that one. Nice. Good stuff, guys. And uh, I I really do appreciate both of you. Leave me with this. Mm -hmm. Favorite Star Wars quote. Frank, then Pete. Go. Uh, Let's go with do or do not. There is no try. The Force will be with you. Always. May the Schwartz be with you. (laughs) (laughs) Merchandise. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. Spaceballs the Lunchbox. You know they announced a sequel today. (laughs) I'm more excited about Spaceballs, the sequel, than I am episode eight. <laughs> it's so nuts. I don't know if it's like it's been so long. You know, uh, it's, it's going to be good. Can Mel Brooks still make a Mel Brooks film, though, without everyone wanting to burn him alive? Listen, I'm hoping that like Force Awakens, it's more like Young Frankenstein and less like Robin Hood Men in Tights. So Richard Lewis or Dom DeLuise or I'm out. That's it. <laughs> you might have a tough time getting Dom DeLuise for this one. Time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history and see how well you pay attention to the details, not just in what you see, but sometimes in what you hear. And if you think you got got the answer correct, you can enter via email for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week... And really, all the time. I was thinking about food in Walt Disney World and just loving all the things that are happening over at Disney Springs. So I said that Morimoto Asia, which has very quickly risen to the top of some of my favorite restaurants in Walt Disney World, I said that that location once was home to something before it became Morimoto Asia. The trivia question was simply to tell me what location originally was home to the building where Morimoto Asia currently sits. Again, you are playing for the 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio tours of the Magic Kingdom, both of which are available at the shop at www.radio.com. And thanks to my friends at Morimoto Asia, you are also playing for a signed Morimoto Asia menu signed by Iron Chef Morimoto himself. I took all the correct entries. Hundreds of you got this correct. 
obviously used to love this place as much as I do because you knew that Mannequins was originally where Morimoto Asia currently stands. I took all those correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week's winner is... Courtney Evans. So, Courtney, congratulations. Email me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, shocker of all shockers, of course, my question has to be Star Wars related, because I'm clearly in a very Star Wars kind of mood, and it's sort of similar to last week's question, but completely different. Tell me, what was the original name of the shop located outside Star Tours at Disney's Hollywood Studios slash MGM Studios. It is currently Tatooine Traders. It was originally known as something else. All you need to do is tell me what was the original name of the shop. You have until Sunday, December 27th at 11.59 p.m. This week, you're playing for the 102 Ways to Save Money for Not Walt Disney World book, all seven of the virtual audio tours of the Magic Kingdom. And this week, I'm going to send you a Star Wars action figure from my personal collection, original, unopened, still in the box. So good luck, and may the Force be with you. And have fun. But may the Force be with you while you're having fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I know especially this week with the holidays going on, it's the end of the year. You're getting ready for New Year's. You're going to see Force Awakens for the seventh time this week. I know how busy you are, and I am more grateful than ever that you are taking the time and deciding to spend and share some of it with me. Special thanks again to all the members of the WW Radio Nation. I really do appreciate the love and the support this and every month. If you want to be part of the nation and family, visit www.radio.com support. Find out how you can get new scavenger hunts every month. You can get logo gear, backpacks, special care packages from Walt Disney World, and lots more. It's completely optional, but a great way to help you support the show and get cool exclusive rewards every month like custom magic band covers and stickers and all kinds of cool stuff. Again, you can visit www.radio.com slash support. Also be sure and visit www.radio.com. Check out our blog, new videos. I've got a new snack of the week, of course, up this week. Subscribe to our free email newsletter and please join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live. Do a live video broadcast and chat where you can be part of the conversation whether I'm broadcasting from the WW Radio Global Headquarters, a.k.a. the home studio, a.k.a. a bedroom in my house, or taking you out with me, as I am often want to do, to the Disney parks and the resorts and getting to share that experience with you. It's a lot of fun and a great way for you to sort of be part of the conversation as it's happening. And every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash lumangelo follow me there. Make sure you enable notifications or follow me on Twitter at Lou Mangiello. I'll push the notifications out there as well. Obviously, I'm at Lou Mangiello on all of the social. And as much as I love communicating with you and connecting with you online, I think that nothing, my friends, beats a handshake and a hug. That's why I do monthly meetups and other events in Walt Disney World, at sea, and on the road. Visit the events page at www.radio.com. You'll find out about our next meet of the month over Marathon Weekend, as well as 2016. We've got our Star Wars cruise that we talked about in February. We're going down to New Orleans. I'll have details right after the first of the year about some fun events we could do together in New Orleans, February 26th through the 28th over Rock and Roll Marathon Weekend. 
I'll be in Chicago the week of July 8th, our e-ticket adventure November 4th, and just announced, like, right now, I will also be in Northeast Iowa in April. We're going to do a meetup at a Disney gallery there. Again, visit the events page for more information. A lot of these on-the-road meets and events come as a result of me traveling to speak at conferences or schools or consulting with businesses. And if I can help you by coming to speak maybe to your business or your school or maybe working with you one-on-one or a small coaching group, I really want to help you turn your passion into your profession with personal mentoring or group coaching, whether it's building a brand or business or finding a way to get you from where you are to where you want to be, whether it's podcasting or just doing what you love, I'd love to be able to help you. I have a new coaching group forming now, going to launch in early January. Only three spots left. I can also work with you one-on-one. Visit lumangelo.com for more information. Big, huge, Chewbacca-sized thanks goes out to Tim Foster from Celebrations Magazine. Visit celebrationspress.com. Get Guide to the Magic and subscribe to the magazine. And, of course, Becky Mankin and her team over at Mouse Fan Travel. They're my recommended travel provider because it's who I use, it's who I love, and because of the personal service they give to each and every one of their clients, they treat them like family, and I mean family that they really like and want to help. And again, that comes at no cost to you. Visit mousefantravel.com. And finally, and most importantly, my biggest and sincerest thanks, especially in this holiday season, and by holiday, I don't mean like the Star Wars holiday special. I mean Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever it may be. I am so sincerely grateful to you and for you for allowing me to do what I love. Every day, to me, feels like Christmas. And it is because of you and the love and the friendship and the support that you give to me. And for that, I am grateful beyond words. And I want you, especially as we start coming to the end of the year, we start thinking about what 2016 and beyond can be, start thinking about what it is that you'd love to do every day. And don't let the fear of what could happen make nothing happen at all. Be willing to take a little risk, take small steps, and always have faith and keep moving forward. Thank you again. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus. May the force be with you. So until next time, see ya. Dum, 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 Challenge the princess or uh, 
yeah, Princess Hathathon and uh, Enchanted 10K with my wife. Uh, just uh, calling to say hello again. Ended up taking last week off because I developed a pretty nasty blister, so I got, had to recover from that. And I actually wasn't feeling so great this morning, but uh, good old Krista, my wife, said, hey, you got to go and you got to call Lou. So hello, hello to the rest of WW Radio running team. I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Hey, Lou, this is Brian Harvey, also known as Brian Harvey 967 in the box. Two things. First of all, you should consider making Tim Foster your permanent co-host. You guys are a great team. You're better than Abbott and Costello, Lewis and Martin, Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. Anyway, the second thing is, I just want to let everybody know, I got married December the 19th. Not only did I get married, I got married on a firework cruise at Disney World. And Beatrice Feeney, who's also another one of the box peeps, was our official officiant. And not only did she do an incredible job scripting the wedding, she made this one incredible magic night. And Beatrice, I want to thank you so much. I will never be able to thank you enough. Lou, keep up the great work. Love you. Now that I have my annual pass back, we'll be running into each other again. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. This is the Nick Winter Show, and I do the entertaining. Thank you. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. Ah, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. Don't let them in. Ah, Star Wars. If they should fire wars, please let these Star Wars stay. And hey, how about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, did he scare you as much as he scared me? Ah, Star Wars! Those near in Star Wars, my seventh winner up here, Star Wars!